Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon to those friends of ours who are tuning in from the East Coast. Welcome to Bulletproof Business Radio. Now, some of you guys have been long-term listeners here. Might be uh, caught off a little off guard with that. It used to be Small Business IT Radio. We've elected to kind of change things up a little bit. Change is always good, and um, I've been kind of working on my uh, slide deck for an upcoming presentation in New Orleans, and it's all about change. I said, you know, it's time to change this up a little bit as well. So we're changing up to biz- uh, Bulletproof Business Radio, and we're opening up the audience to a wider scale of uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and all our good friends in the IT profession. Well, we're going to have some relevant content for you as well. But good morning to all of our friends uh, outside of the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Stuart Crawford, and welcome to our first episode of Bulletproof Business Radio. This channel has been on Blog Talk Radio for the last couple of years, but uh, you know, yeah, time for a change and time to spice things up a little bit. Of course, uh, my role is uh, work as Vice President of Business Development for Bulletproof Infotech, hence the name Bulletproof Business Radio. So. Let's get right on to it. We've got a jam-packed hour of, uh, of content today. I am joined by a very good friend of mine, Kendra Lee from uh, KLA Group, uh, out of the, uh, I think out of the Denver, Colorado area, if I'm uh, uh, correct there, Kendra? You are absolutely correct, Stuart. That's great. So, you know, sister city to Calgary, kind of same uh, climate, you know, same elevation, same mountain ranges are right there. I'm hoping you're enjoying a, a, a beautiful, uh, you know, late June day down in, uh, in Denver. You know, summer hit us this week, and it has been fabulous weather. However, we've had some pretty dramatic storms in the afternoon, so sometimes I feel like we're back on the East Coast with the lightning and the thunder and the rain. Well, it was funny. I was uh, I was just in Denver a few weeks ago, and it was a beautiful uh, day. But also, I was there oh, maybe early April, and it was funny. We uh, were supposed to, we're, you know, kind of off topic a little bit. United Airlines is, of course, the hub for... Uh, in Denver, it's a hub for United Airlines, and it was funny because we were coming back from a trip down in Mexico, and we actually had to land in Colorado Springs just because of the weather in Denver. So the, the, the weather in Denver can be a little dicey in the winter and maybe in the spring. It certainly can. We, we, keep, we keep it uh, hopping so people aren't sure if they want to move here or not. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That's our secret. <laughs> oh, now, now it's out there. Anyway, Kendra, tell us a little about the KLA Group and uh, you know what you do uh, in business. Uh, because we, I know a lot about you guys. I've you know had uh, uh, Liz on uh, a while back on this program, but uh, you know now we open up to a wider range of uh, listeners. What is uh, KLA Group all about, and what are the services that you provide? We work very closely with companies who are selling to and working with the small, medium business sector. We specialize in companies who sell high-tech, but find that we also work with law firms, oil and gas firms. We've got quite an eclectic selection of clients in spite of focusing within IT. And I think that comes from the fact that to sell IT, you really have to be on the leading edge of selling skills, selling styles, selling tools, and so many other industries want to take advantage of what the high-tech reps have learned. So that takes us out into a lot of different industries. We, as we work with our clients, help them to penetrate into the small-medium business sector We help them with selling more consultatively because very often when you're working in SMB in that market, you very often are working at an executive level. So you have to be able to have those more consultative conversations and then slip back into what it is that they need tactically. So help them in the consultative selling as well as just what I like to call prospect attraction. How do you get new prospects to come to you? So those are the three pre, the primary areas that we assist in. Well, one of the reasons why I love working in the small business market is I get to have those one-on-one conversations with the decision makers, and I don't have to worry about uh, steering committees and councils and a number of other groups that are, you know, 
that you're not talking to the decision makers. So well, that's one of the reasons why I love the uh, the small business market. Well, and you know, I love it because that's a market that you really can make a difference. You can go in there with your solution, and you can help the, take their business to new heights. In some cases, you can help them double their business, and that's so exciting. When you're working at the enterprise level, you can make an impact, but it's not necessarily going to be you know doubling their business or changing the whole organizational structure or putting new compensation plans in place that motivate people. It's, it, you know, it, you just have such great impact. So our topic for today, Kendra, is, um, you know, 20 secrets to attracting new prospects. Now, I've seen you deliver this, um, this uh, presentation live, and uh, so that's what intrigued me to kind of bring you on today to, to uh, talk about it here on the program. But, you know, and a uh, what are we going to What are we going to be talking about in a, in a nutshell? Like, do we have a you know some main speaking areas that we should keep in mind when you know looking at uh, attracting new prospects for our for our organizations? You bet. When you look at the small, mid market size companies, there are so many of them out there that while there may be a few that you absolutely would like to have on your prospect list, there. In reality, you're looking for those who have a need and and want to call you. Stuart, did you lose me? Uh, no, I think you came back. You were out there for a little bit, but I think you're back now. Excellent. Well, you're really looking for those prospects that will come to you and say, they have a need, can you help me? Instead of trying to, let's face it, cold call everyone that you possibly could. So what we're going to talk about today is first, how do you get your arms around all those possible companies that you could approach? And then what are some tactics that you can use to attract prospects to you instead of having to use the good old-fashioned cold calling approach? So we'll look at some personal strategies, some digital strategies, and some collaborative strategies. Excellent. So I mean, we got a. It looks like we're going to have a pretty full, um, full 53 minutes to go here in our time. So let's just jump right in. So you talked about uh, getting the attention of people or, or prospects when they have a need for our services. So that's great, and that, I mean that's what we all love to do. But how do we really master that, or how do we even get take the first step towards identifying when those prospects of ours are in that pain area? The first thing that you want to do is to define some target segments. And perhaps one of the hardest things, especially for those of us who are in small, medium business, is to, to limit who we're going to focus on. But in reality, that's what you want to do. You want to define where do you have your best chance of being successful. And Ways that you can do that are to start looking at where are you selling today? Who are your best clients? What, what makes them similar? And, and based on those similarities, you can start to see these groups of clients that you have. It may be similar-sized companies. It may be companies that are all in the same industry. You know, it could be that law firms or CPA firms are your best prospects. It could be a geographic area. You know, there's one organization that we work with um, that has groups of franchises, and their franchises have learned that their best prospects are actually people who are within a 10-mile radius of them, people that they can go and knock on the door or they can call and say, hey, we're your neighbor. Um, Community Bank that we work with has something similar. So they're not looking by industry, they're actually looking by geography. But you want to choose these segments and figure out where are you most successful and then start your prospect attraction there. So if I understand what you're saying correctly, Kendra, is that uh, either pick a niche market, so like Denver, Calgary, oil and gas is a you know, big market. We can you know, focus on the junior oil and gas market or oil field services companies or legal or accounting firms. But also, I love the idea of choosing the geography. So around our Bulletproof office in Northeast Calgary, there's a 
there's got to be thousands of small business. And, you know, why are we wasting gas driving all across the city when we can focus maybe in that core um, five or six block radius from our, from our head office? Exactly. And, and it really depends on what you're selling. And if you think about it, if you're in the services industry, if you are an attorney or a CPA firm, if you're a community bank, if you are providing managed services, being able to build that sense of community that we're right here, we know where you're doing business, can actually be a key differentiator for you, even from some of the big companies where you'd be the small fish in the big sea. Well, I like that word differentiator that you mentioned because I think a lot of us uh, in small business really try hard to be better than our competition. And I really like the idea of being different than our competition. This could be a way that we can, uh, you know, stand out from, you know, there may be a better uh, legal firm or an IT company you know, on the other side of the city, but, you know, having that guy down the street may be a better advantage or uh, an advantage for our business over, you know, the, the competitor across, the, uh, across town. Exactly. And one of the things that defining a target market can do to help truly differentiate you is as you start to focus within that target market, all of your lead generation activities, your selling activities, all your referrals you're looking for in this target segment, you start to become the expert. First, because you're selling to them, you're getting to know their business, you're getting to know their issues, whether it's industry or that regional community, you get to know the issues that they have. So you become their expert, and, and they start to look to you, and that in itself is a differentiator. If they say, boy, I've got to call Stuart Crawford because he really understands business in our area or in our industry, you've made it. I mean, that's your differentiator. So that's, that's great. I mean, and I, you know, I've always tried to uh, focus on being different than you know, trying to be better, and you know, those are you know, good things, uh, Kendra, but how do we really know when a good opportunity is sitting right in front of us? I think you know, my years of uh, serving business in Calgary, I've missed my fair share of a good opportunity just because I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I think we all feel that way. On that one that got away because you found out about it at the last minute and, or you weren't really sure you should pursue it, uh, as you define your target market, a piece of what I suggested was to go back and look at who are your best customers, what do they have in common, and, and create your target segment based on what you know about where you're already successful. Part of what you want to look at is what made those what made those clients so what made those clients so successful, knowing, and, and as you look at it, you can start to define what is a great opportunity. Is it the size of the company? Is it the need? You know, what needs do they have particularly that you can meet? Who are you talking to? How do they view working with companies like yourself? You know, do they value working with outside firms? Is that what you want in your customers? So really recognizing from your perspective what a good opportunity looks like will help you to know when one comes walking through the door. So one of the things I've also learned, Kendra, is, you know, and, and listening to what you guys say in your, in your presentations, you know, understanding, you know, my niche market, knowing what a good opportunity looks like, but I really have to have uh, a value statement. Uh, you know, what... You know, we, a lot of business coaches and those type of folks tell us that we need to have value statements, mission statements, uh, you know, vision statements. Now, I really like the idea of a value statement. Another, and I take it kind of one step a little further is, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of not for not for profits have a cause. You know, they stand for, you know, they're yeah. fighting cancer or whatever. Um, I kind of take the the value statement and move it into like a, a kind of a reflect on what our cause for our company is being here. What should really, you know, be in that, uh, you know, value statement so all of our employees can take that and talk about that to our to our potential clients or even to our existing customers? You want your value statement to include the types of needs that you meet 
for your target customers, as well as the results they can get from you. If possible, if you have quantifiable results, you have helped someone reduce their cost by 32%, or you have helped them re-engineer their business processes and control their costs through that. Um, but you want to be able to say clearly what is the need that your target market has, that your company can address, and what are the results that they've got. And when we're doing prospecting, we actually have a formula that we recommend when we're training prospecting. Pain plus value plus gain. So in your value statement when you're prospecting, whether it's email prospecting or it's cold calling, you want to include what's the pain that's going on in your target market that would make them pay attention to you. What's the value you can bring to them and what's the gain to them if they work with you. So really helping your your whole organization to recognize you know, what is it that you provide from a needs perspective and the quantifiable value, or if you don't have the, the ROI, because a lot of companies don't, you know, how can you help? And, and an example that um, I had showed you, Stuart, was you know, for the past 12 years, we have helped small and medium-sized businesses contain IT costs and increase the effectiveness and efficiency of their people and processes. So here we don't have the ROI, but we talk about how we can help increase the effectiveness and efficiency of people and processes. That's what you could expect, the value you could get out of working with us. And we've helped small and medium-sized businesses, says that's who our target market is, and then contain IT costs. That's what you're going to get in working with us. So would that be similar sorry, Kendra, would that be similar to an elevator pitch? I would say yes, it can be your elevator pitch. And it's the foundation of then what you build on for all your prospect attraction. So once you've got it, when someone says, Oh, what do you do? I've never heard of your company. Oh well, for the past twelve years this is what we've done. That's the elevator pitch. You can also use it if you write articles. It can be the tagline in the articles. It could um, be used in lead generation activities like I talked about. You could put it out in your LinkedIn or your Facebook profile. So it just becomes the foundation, the message of who you are. It's the value statement. So having that uh, and then defined and then knowing what your ideal prospect looks like, I think we have a pretty much nailed down to – at least our messaging and you know who we're gonna who we're gonna talk to. Now exactly. I think I think next part is okay. Well, we got all this stuff kind of figured out. What do we what do we do? I and mean, there's all kinds of different mechanisms out there. We've got cold calling. We've got social networking. We've got email. We've got networking groups. These are all tactical ways of you know you know defining. Well, after we defined our market, uh, what an ideal customer looks like. We got our messaging all done. You know. Where should we start? I mean, small business owners today, I mean, talk to lots of them and say, you know, social networking, I, just, I don't get it, so I kind of stay clear from it. But we've we got to have a tactical plan, do we not? Yes, you do. And, and there are three different areas that you can look at in your plan. First is what are the personal attraction strategies that you can use to get prospects to come to you? So things like email. What can you do to try and connect one-to-one? -one? And then there are digital attraction strategies. How do we use social networks? Can we use a LinkedIn? What are things that we could do digitally? And then collaboratively, boy, what if we want to run some type of an event? What if we want to do something like this radio show? You know, can we do some collaborative things where, where we're getting groups of people together who will hear our message? So those are the three areas I would suggest looking at. But so where will, where will we start, Kendra? Because that's you know that's an awful thing. I, when I hear talk about talking to entrepreneurs, is I don't know where to start. 
Well, and, and there's not just that. It's like, I can't do all that. You know, I'm busy. We haven't got enough resources or, or uh, yeah, how do we get started? So yeah. my recommendation is that you pick one and the one that feels most comfortable. And one that we see most of our clients start with is email because it's easy to run some email campaigns into your target markets that you've identified. But what, isn't email kind of kind of on its way out as a, a way to attract new prospects because of some of the spam rules and stuff that are coming into uh, being a force today? You know, that's, that's a great question because the spam rules can be quite challenging. Um, no, it's not on its way out. And in fact, um, I always find it interesting to ask people, how many voicemails do you get in a day or phone calls? And how many emails do you get in a day? And and clearly, I mean, Stuart, which would you say you get more of? Oh, I think the uh, I think I can count on one hand how many voicemails I get, but I need uh, my two hands, my two feet, maybe yours, and <laughs> ten other people's uh, to count how many emails I get in the course of the day. Exactly. So email has become one of the primary modes of communication. And as a side note, texting is coming up right behind that kind of interesting. Uh, but email is the way that many of us are communicating today. So it's a great tool to use for attracting prospects. To get around the spam rules, there are a few things that I always recommend. First, if you are going out and purchasing or securing any type of email list, often the companies that have gotten those lists have already gone through the work to secure permission to email to them. So a big one that we use is Zoom Info. And another big one is Jigsaw. I know for Zoom Info, when you pull a list and you get email addresses, they at the company have already gone and gotten permission to email. So we have permission to email them because they have already gotten that permission for us. The other thing is if you, let's say, hold events and something like this, and someone goes out to your website and they sign up for your newsletter, well, they've already given permission by signing up for your newsletter to be emailed. So now you already have their email. So it's not as hard. So basically the trick is to keep it permission-based. Keep it Keep it permission-based, but then there's another side that I was going to mention as well. When you, are, when you are doing these types of activities to really get the responses that you're looking for, you are not mailing, you're not emailing like a marketing group. A marketing organization would send out 1,000 or 2,000 emails. If, if we're truly going to get the results we want, we have to refine our emails and make them feel personal. And that means that your groups are going to be small because you're going to also want to try and call people to follow up or invite them to call you on a specific day. And frankly, you're not going to email a 1,000 people and say, oh, by chance are you available Tuesday, July 2nd for a conversation? Because if 500 of them came back and said yes, <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't talk to all of them on Tuesday, July 2nd, mm -hmm. or Thursday, July 2nd. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, I always, when I talk to entrepreneurs uh, and business owners in, in Calgary and you know, across the world in my travels, I always caution them. You want to be careful that you, you, know, you don't open up the floodgates too much because then you have a whole other problem that, you, uh, then you, that you're paid to deal with. Exactly, and, and that's what I talk about. So uh, one of our strategies that I recommend in our top 20 is that you keep your list in your target market that you're working small, that you limit it to you know, between 20 and 125 contacts and no more than that. And when you're doing such small lists, now the permission laws don't become an issue because you're writing very specifically to that target audience. And it doesn't feel like they just got blasted with a marketing email. Instead, it feels like Kendra sat down to write this email just 
for me. So so it doesn't feel like they've been blasted. And, and so that, keep it keep it relatively small and like almost like a drip marketing type uh, activity. Definitely, and it is a drip marketing type activity because with email, the chances are they're not going to respond the first time. You have to be prepared in case everybody does, which is why I say keep your list small. I mean, if you have hit on a hot topic and everybody replies and says that they want to talk with you, then you've got to be able to talk to them in a timely manner or you'll lose your lead. So, Kendra, I mean, that's a lot of great stuff and, uh, you know, we about email marketing and I'm sure uh, the same can be said around, you know, some of the social networking tools like LinkedIn, uh, Dig, Facebook. I mean, the list is uh, plentiful uh-huh. of social networking. But what do you recommend, you know, if we're looking at the world of social networking as a way to attract new prospects? I mean, I, I play with them all. I play with almost every single one, and I've kind of zeroed it in on uh, LinkedIn as maybe my core, and then maybe, you know, Facebook and a few others uh, on the peripheral. Yep. What what rec- what do you recommend to your clients uh, who are looking at you know graduating from the email marketing? Which they still I don't I don't I think we, you and I can agree that all the stuff we're talking about you want to make sure you have it's like playing golf you have you have 14 clubs in your bag. Yep. You need to you need a different club for each uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have the driver for hitting the long one off the tee, but you need that that putter for hitting those real close ones on the green. Uh, social networking is just a, to me is just another. Uh, golf club in my golf bag of business, but which one should entrepreneurs be, you know, really focusing on uh, to help get their message out? Is there one over, one over another that you recommend? What I recommend is that you you ask your target market, you find out where they are. So, like you, I'm very involved in LinkedIn. Our most of our clients use it heavily. So LinkedIn is the primary one that we use here at KLA Group. However, there are other segments that really aren't in LinkedIn. They're in Facebook. And those are the two primary ones. And then, of course, we haven't even talked about Twitter, which really isn't a a network per se, but it's another way to get your message out. So look and see where your, your contacts are. Now, if they're both in LinkedIn and Facebook, then you want a presence in both of them. And the interesting thing about a LinkedIn is that you can post events. So if you're going to be hosting an open house or if you're doing a podcast or you're going to be the host on a radio show like we're doing right now, you can put that out on LinkedIn with a link where people can get more information or they can enroll if they need to. If you're writing articles or press releases, you can post those into the news section of LinkedIn and of all the groups that you are members of. You can join different groups so that you can communicate with people that you're not linked to. You can hold a discussion. Um, You know, if you are an expert in one area, you can post a, a, a discussion and now anybody who's in that group sees your discussion and you're not just confined or restricted to the people that you're linked to. So there are lots of ways that you can be out in front of people and get your name there and have them respond to you because they're interested in learning more about what you do. So that that brings up another topic uh, that probably not on the original agenda today, but uh, I was at uh, a seminar not last Friday, but two Fridays ago, and Michael Port was speaking. I don't know if you know him at all, Kendra. I know of him. Yeah. Yeah. He he was the 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 guest the keynote speaker that day, and he shared with us some very interesting information about always be inviting, uh, invite your prospects, invite your clients. Uh, most most small businesses are rather closed off, and you know they don't invite people into their business. What do you have any um, thoughts around you know different ways to invite oppor- uh, those opportunities into our business? I I think just being present is the first thing. So the things that we're talking about where you're, you know, you're doing email prospecting, you're, you're, you're out there saying, you know, I've got some good ideas or I've got some information or here's things that we've done for other clients and maybe you want to talk about it. So that's one. Being out on, on LinkedIn, um, you know, we, 
one thing, if you go look at my profile in LinkedIn, right at the very top, it says invites welcome or accepts all invites, something like that. So letting people know that you, letting people know that you are very interested in talking with them or or in connecting with them in anything that you do. Again, if you're writing articles or in press releases saying, you know, that you are inviting them in, uh, inviting them to join your newsletter list or to check out your website or give you a call. At the end of a session when you're speaking, you know, telling people, boy, just give me a call if you've got questions. I'm happy to brainstorm ideas with you. So there's lots of ways that you can make them feel welcome to, to you. Exactly, and that's uh, you know that's kind of what we're, we're even looking at doing new things, especially in today's downturn economy, Kendra. About uh, you know we have to figure new ways to uh, get that small piece of the pie that uh, that people are holding on to their their dollars and, and you know maybe not spending it as much as they did about a year or a year and a half ago. And there's a lot of competitors out there. So if, the more we can be inviting and making our value known to our specific geographic or niche market, I think the better off we're all going to be uh, uh, going forward. You know, and, and one of the things that just sprang to my mind that is so critical, especially in today's economy, is what do you have that's free that you can give people? So invite them in to try what you do. Uh, you know, in our business, there's a lot of writing because we're training, we're consulting, so we're sharing ideas. We have... Um, free sales kits that are out there that people can go get. There are articles that are out there. There are free tools that they can use. So we're inviting people to come use everything for free. And, and you know, when they have a need, call us. But until they have a need, use these three things. There's a software organization that we're, we're working with um, on some prospect attraction strategies. And they said, you know, we've got a whole set of free templates that people can use on how to put together performance appraisals because they sell HR software. Um, mm -hmm. And until they're ready to work with us, that may be all they need. But their key, as they said, is they start working with our stuff. They start working within the processes we've helped define and teach them. And then when they're ready, they feel comfortable and they come to us. Okay, that makes you know that makes a lot of sense. So you know, one of the things uh, we as business owners often fail to uh, address in any of our marketing material, we put great, you know, we write great articles, we'll have great uh, shows like this, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff out there, uh, Kendra, and then it kind of just dies with, okay, how do I engage with this person? How do I reach out? How do I get more information? How important is it to have a very compelling call to action in everything that we do? I think it's critical. It, you know, when you talk about the inviting factor, the call to action is inviting them to do something, whether it's to reply to you, to click through, to attend something, to call you. Um, it's critical that they know that you are asking them to come back to you, to do something. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, that's critical because I look at all kinds of stuff and I go, Okay, what do I got to do next? Because I really don't know, and I, then I go right to the next, uh, to the next uh, invite I get, or you know, maybe even to a competitor's uh, offering. Because at least I know how to engage with these people. Well, if you make it too difficult, that's the other thing I tell people. Very often, we will ask our prospects to do multiple things. You know, um, click here if you'd like to attend. Oh, by the way, I've attached this article I thought you might find interesting, and and I've got some ideas for you. Why don't you give me a call? Well, do I have to read the article before I can, before I can attend the session? Do I need to call before I can attend the session? Can I attend the session then read the article? I don't know what to do. I'm just going to delete that. So we can't make it hard. Include one call to action and, and one offer. So it's very clear and very simple for your prospects to respond. We're all too busy to try and figure out what you really meant 
when you made your request. Okay, so Kendra, you know, there's some great um, that's some great advice about you know, I, I like simplicity myself. I'm not a I'm not an analytical person at all. Very you know high level. So if I can't find something relatively easy on a website or in an email signature. I'm off to the next thing because I just don't have the time to kind of mess around with this kind of stuff. And I'm sure there's a lot of other business owners like me out there who are not analytical type people and they just want whatever's easiest. So talking about our website and, and signature files and email, those type of things, there's lots of stuff we can hang on here. But, you know, one of the things I, one of the complaints I have about small business websites in general is, again, exactly this call to action thing, this call to action thing we're talking about is, how do I get in touch with these people? What what would you recommend to you know, a small business and, and when when they're putting their website together? I'm thinking uh, from a from a website perspective, you want to think about how are you going to invite people in and how are you going to grab their attention. So. We want to be able to leverage what's on our website in everything we do, from the signature in our email to our elevator pitch to when someone says, well, do you have any more information on that particular topic? Sure. Go to our website. Here's where you can grab it. So you want your website to be a, a tool. It's a facilitator for you. And that's what you want to be thinking about is, is how can I facilitate attracting prospects with my website? It doesn't just shout everything I do, but it is that repository of free stuff that we're going to give prospects and nurture them along until they're ready to buy. It's the place where people can go to get more expert advice, not just learn what we do. And I think, what do you think about this, Stuart? Sometimes I think there's becoming a blurring line between blogs and websites because some people want to do more of what you would traditionally see on a blog in their website. Well, I think myself, I think websites are slowly on their way out and we'll have, we'll have more web presences like like blogs out there where there's a lot more dynamic content. and. For those who know anything about search engines, uh, the search engine optimi- or search engine optimization, the search engines just love dynamic and, and changing content. Oh, definitely, and that's what keeps you at the top. And 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 the challenge, of course, with a website is it's really supposed to be about you, but you want that collaborative, participative information because it's really what demonstrates the expertise of your company. When others are sharing and, and agreeing or disagreeing, and you're having healthy conversations on them. Well, one of the things I'm I'm doing in my next talk on social media is, you know, we have definitely three distinct uh, business eras that I call it. You know, we had the industrial age, we had the information age, but I, I we are definitely in a participation age right now, where people are expecting to be able to collaborate online. Uh, put reviews and comments, and you know, talk about a supplier on a on a forum, or you know, I've even done it myself, Kendra, where I've had a bad experience at a restaurant or a really good experience at a restaurant, and mentioned them on my blog. And you know, it's amazing some of the the I watch my my stats very closely. It's amazing how I get hits on you know a topic of you know a good experience in a restaurant or a. a a bad experience, uh, you know, if I went to a football game or something like that. It's amazing, uh, you know, what these what, what's being hit on these days on, on online. It is, and and you're right. People want to be able to comment, and actually, you can use that to your advantage. If you've got clients that are thrilled with the work that you have done, having them comment about how you solved a problem or an issue that you're grappling with that they're grappling with and having others see only works to your benefit. So I think it's a matter of figuring out how to leverage this participative age to your benefit in attracting prospects. So one of my pet peeves in business, and it doesn't matter if they're IT professionals or uh, the transport uh, company down the street or whoever it is, they got all this great stuff. They're awesome articles. They've targeted me as one of the prospects. 
Uh, you know, they hit one of my pain points. I call them, and I never get a phone call back. Is that a huge problem today? I, Kendra, I see it as a huge problem even in and the recession that we're in, thinking that you know businesses would love to jump on any opportunity to come, and there's some people that never call me back. It is a real challenge because what can happen when you're doing prospect attraction is you can get so involved in it that you get such a stack of leads that now you don't have the resources to follow up. You know, we work with some clients where we help them craft their lead generation campaigns, whether they're you know email campaigns or their um, events or blog or excuse me podcasts that they might be running, and they'll get these people that respond and they're interested, but they haven't thought through. What are they going to do if they get these people who respond? They may not have, in one instance, we had a client who said, oh, we're going to have this particular rep follow up on all leads. Uh, but that particular rep wasn't comfortable with new prospects. He was a farmer. He was much more comfortable talking to people he already knew. And so the leads sat there. And we had another client where we generated so many leads, they actually didn't have anybody that could follow up, and so there sat the leads. And and in depending on what your target market is, it may not hurt you, but boy, if you've spent the money and you've spent the time, and you've got those leads and you don't follow up, what a waste. So you really have to have a plan in place if they're for those responses that come in. So. What strategies can you share, uh, Kendra, with some of the clients that you have worked with on you know, mac- making sure those return phone calls or emails or, or touch points are done uh, when a lead comes in the front door? My recommendation is if you know you are doing lead generation activities, so you're running some type of campaign, that you actually schedule follow-up time on the calendar or you have your reps schedule follow-up time on their calendars. Then there are those instances where you may have your website set up to drive leads. So on our website, when people request new information, there's always an opportunity for them to say that they're interested in our prospecting training or our consultative sales training or coaching, and they check a box. Well, when those types of leads come in, you've got to have somebody who can handle those as well. So it may be as simple as saying to your salespeople that will receive them, make sure you've got time blocked on your calendar several times a week to follow up on leads. Or it may be that you have a person whose job is to follow up on leads. We've got one client that has two people, and their, their sole job is, doing prospecting activities, and following up on initial leads. So look at what process fits best in your business to make sure that when those leads come in, you can get to them in a quick time period. So that's the most important thing, just blocking the time off and making sure um, that we can follow up on all our leads effectively. But, you know, I've called leads back the first time, Kendra, and never got a response back. How frequently should we be touching uh, those people that, that actually called us the first time or even even to the point where we're following up? Let's say we do a drip marketing campaign and send out 50 to 100 postcards. Uh, I mean, that's, I think that's a very manageable level where she can actually make follow-up phone calls. But, you know, what? how frequently should we be following up with people? And you, don't want to, you don't want to harass them every day, but you also don't want to leave it too long. That's exactly right. And most people are when I answer this type of question. You should plan to follow up every two to three days. If you've sent out a postcard and you've said, let's talk or I'll give you a call, then you keep calling them every two to three days for at least a minimum of nine times. And if you have their email address, I recommend that you do a combination of calling and emailing because sometimes it's easier for people to respond that way. If someone has contacted you proactively, they've replied and said they're interested or they'd like more information, but you've not been able to reach them, you 
still want to call them very regularly. I would say in that instance, if they've contacted you, that you call them in the beginning every day. And if they haven't returned your call after maybe three days, then step back. But you want to be proactive with them. And then people always say, well, I feel really uncomfortable about calling that frequently. Well, if they've called you, they want to talk with you. And they just may be busy or something may be going on. So, you know, put in your voicemail or in your email, I, you know, I just want to be sure that I'm being responsive to you. I just want to be sure that, you know, I'm here available for you when the timing is right. But let them know that you're doing it because they expressed the interest. And then, of course, there are all the tricks that we know about how do you try to get to a receptionist or how do you schedule meetings with them that you would start using if you're not getting a response to that person who requested information. Okay, man, some great uh, advice there. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of us can fine-tune, uh, you know, with everything that we're doing is our, is our follow-up strategy. I think that's where the rubber hits the road in, uh, in business days, you know, effective, effective uh, follow-up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, and I have written, I can't tell you how many articles over the years, and it's included in my book as well, just how critical the follow-up is. It, it really is a differentiator. When a client says, call me back in six months, if you call back, there could be every chance that now is the time that they're going to buy. And they'll remember and they'll appreciate that you listened and, and you called back in the time frame they said. But if you don't, your competition is going to get that lead. And, oh, by the way, now you have to go find somebody else <laughs> because you didn't call that person who had already said, oh, call me back. So follow-up is critical. And then, you know, one of the – so we got all these – we got a great healthy business going. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that we've talked to, Kendra, you know, uh, people that send in your presentations, clients of my, that I talk to on a daily basis, their marketing plan is really based on word of mouth referral, mm-hmm. and you know referral hunting is you know a strategy on its own. We can have another show just based on you know effective ways to network and ask for and get referrals. But you know one of the I think that's a kind of a lost lead. Uh, you have lost lead generator in, in some of the notes that I've taken from your presentations. Um, you know how important is asking our clients or, or those people that we meet or our partners for referrals, and what are some of the tips that you know that you can share with us? I think referrals are one of the fastest ways to fill your pipeline, and in, in, in today's economy where it's harder to get the attention of people using referrals where you've got someone who's recommending that you talk to someone else and that person that's recommending it probably already has the respect of the person they've suggested you contact, you can much more quickly fill your pipeline. So referrals really are important. And in fact, we just finished a two-part series on how to grab your fair share of referrals. The most important thing to remember when you're asking for referrals is to know who you want for a referral. Because if you just say, you know, Stuart, this was a great radio show. Who else do you know that I should be talking to? You're sitting there going, well, gosh, you know, I'm linked to over 500 people in LinkedIn. I've got a gazillion clients. I've got all these listeners. I don't know. Because you can't frame it in your mind. So you need to know who is it that you want for a referral and then be able to frame that when you ask the question. And so it's more like, you know, who do you know who has this particular need and is this particular type of company? And now I've helped you to frame in your mind, oh, well, I need to have Kendra talk to John. Because John just told me he's having issues with his sales team. They're not prospecting enough. She needs to be talking with him. And so now you've helped your client to really frame who they should be talking to. Uh, 
So definitely you want to be using referrals. And, and interestingly, most small businesses grow through referral. I mean, it's their primary means of filling their pipeline. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, uh, that's why we see so many people. It's funny because as soon as the, ec- the economy kind of took a little bit of a turn downward, we have a, a, a breakfast club at our, our Chamber of Commerce, and those people are listening in Calgary, the 715 Chamber Breakfast Club is a biweekly event that's held uh, downtown at our Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we've gone from 20 people up to a regular audience of 80 people uh, every two weeks. It's amazing how many more people are coming out and networking. But there's a fundamental problem I see, Kendra, in networking, especially those that haven't done it for a long time. Yes. A lot of people have what I call the I problem. Okay. Which is they're focused, on, they're focused so much on what I do and not what they, the value that they bring. And that kind of gets back to everything we've talked about. They, I probably start they don't understand their value proposition exactly. and their value statement. Exactly. And, and what is the value that they want to bring to the prospect, the new prospect? And what is it that that prospect needs? You know, when you ask for a referral and you're given a referral, asking your client that gave you that referral, you know, what led you to recommend that I talk to John? What's going on in John's business that you think I can help with? Because your whole focus needs to be on the client and what is it that you can do for them? What is that value? Just like you're saying. And it can't be starting with, oh, I can help you in these five areas before you even know what their needs are. So identify the pain, identify the, get back to rule number one, identify the pain in the geographic or the niche market that uh, our business serves. Absolutely. Rule number one. And then ask for referrals in that same niche market and, and understand which of those pains does the person you've been referred to have. So, Kendra, for the, last 50, for the last 50 minutes, we've talked about a lot of great stuff. And, you know, we never even hit on all the tips. But is there one area that you want to address that we haven't had a chance to uh, discuss yet uh, this morning? I do. And it's funny because I love prospecting. I love everything about prospecting. It's my, my passion, my personal passion. And you know I've written an entire book on, on um, attracting prospects. My one tip is to stop cold calling. That's my one tip. And, and you may say, Why? <laughs> Because no, I, I agree with you, actually. Because <laughs> there's a better way. And you can do things that get you out in front of your target market, make you the expert to them, so that they start coming to you. And, and what I mean there is you're still going to do email campaigns. You're still probably going to do some events. You are still going to ask for referrals. You're going to do all those things. But now when you're calling someone, you're calling someone who you met at a networking event or who read an article and responded or who responded to a blog post that you put up. So it's someone who already knows about you or about your company and already perceives you as an expert. So now you're not just blindly calling a list that you pulled off of Hoover's or Jigsaw or Zoom Info. You're calling your target market because you've done something or because they've responded in some way to you. So I say stop cold calling. So stop cold calling. I totally agree with you, Kendra. That's, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we can spend so much time picking up the phone and calling people or we can invest an hour and write some good con- articles or uh, talk to our Chamber of Commerce about doing an event and inviting their membership uh, that you can – Spend more time getting in front of people and and, and make yourself uh, the expert or what I, I like the term now that we kind of threw around at our last HCG summit in Dallas was the thought leader. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you are the one that has the ideas, the recommendations, that's tried it. You're the person they want to talk to. So this gets me down to the last thing that I want to address uh, this morning uh, is. We mentioned that a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners have all these great things and they don't know where to start. Uh, but how important is maybe uh, understanding our weaknesses and most business owners' marketing and sales 
uh, maybe a strength, but more it's marketing and sales can be a weakness for them as well. How important is outsourcing uh, those services uh, to a professional that can can definitely help them? If if you can't do it, I recommend outsourcing. And this does not have to be the expensive outsourcing that we've thought of in the past, you know, eight years. Um, but look at newsletter services. You know, there's some great newsletter applications out there that people are using, you know, the constant contacts, the eye contact, that, that make putting a newsletter together, if you're doing one, um, simple. So who can you engage that can help you with that newsletter? For content, boy, you know, I talked a lot about writing articles or posting to a blog. A lot of people hate writing just as much as they hate speaking. You don't have to do that yourself. You, there are so many different people who are out there that are more than willing to share their content, and you can use their articles in your newsletter. If you have close ties to vendors, as in the IT industry, where you might be working with Microsoft or you might be working with um, Heartland Technology Groups or, or um, any of the other vendors, you can go to them for content. As well as when you get newsletters, very often look at the bottom of the article, and I, most times it'll say, "If you want to reuse this article, you know, just include my um, byline at the bottom, and feel free to do it." I mean, I know we do that in ours. So you don't have to be a writer, and you don't have to be a speaker. You can leverage people who are already doing that. And it still makes you the thought leader or the expert because you brought those people to your people. You saw the need there for them. Uh, if you want to do your own writing but you're not comfortable, there are excellent writers out there uh, that you could engage there are PR firms that will do your press releases for you. So there's lots of different firms that are out there. And then if you've written press releases and you're already posting them locally but you'd like to put them out on the web and you don't know where, there are a number of different resources that you can use. Focus.com is one where you can just go and post your, your PR notice so that everybody can see it. Or you can work with a local firm and have them do that work for you. So there's lots of resources available to you, so you don't have to do it. Wonderful, and that's you know that's a great thing. Kendra, we're almost out of time. Uh, I want to thank you personally for being our first uh, guest on the rebranded uh, Bulletproof Business uh, Radio uh, show. It's really an honor to uh, have you on, and uh, I always appreciate uh spending time with you, uh, and I learn something new from you every single time we, we chat. Stuart, it is just a pleasure to be here on your inaugural show. I am honored that you invited me, and, you know, it's, I welcome anyone who has any questions on the topic of attracting prospects to feel free to give me a call or to email me, um, phone number 303 773 one two eight five or email K L E E at K L A Group dot com. We also have a wealth of free resources out on our website that you can feel free to go peruse and use for attracting prospects. That's at K L A Group dot com. Stuart, I thank you for the opportunity to be here and we'll look forward to our next chat. Well, we got more to cover, so we'll have to do this again real soon, uh, Kendra. If I don't, if I don't uh, talk to you before the, uh, you know, the, the rest of the summer, have, a, have yourself a great summer, and we'll uh, we'll look forward to uh, touching base again in the in the near future here, and, and finish up what our uh, what we started on these twelve secrets to attracting new prospects. Thank you, and you know, when you come visiting Colorado or you get stuck in our airport, you call me, and we'll get together. I, I'm gonna I'm I'm there frequently, so. Great, thanks, Kendra, and we'll uh, we'll chat with you again real soon. So, thank you for uh, checking out our first uh, show of uh, Bulletproof Business Radio. My name is Stuart Crawford. Uh, make sure you uh, follow us at BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/Bulletproof. Lots of our great archives from our Small Business IT show are still there, and lots of great stuff uh, going forward uh, here in uh, in the future. 
you uh, would like to be a guest on our show, please call me at 403-206-2233, and we'll be more than happy to uh, schedule some time with you. Have yourself a great uh, day, and we'll talk to you again real soon.